0: The products discussed in this podcast are only available in the United States. Welcome to our podcast, The Tactical Tape, where we discuss our thoughts on the markets, the opportunities and risks that we're seeing, and how we're positioned in the tactical sleeves of our model portfolios. My name is Jack Janicewicz, model portfolio manager and portfolio strategist with Texas Investment Manager Solutions. And I also lead our investment committee. Our multi-asset hybrid models combine strategic investments in active mutual funds with tactical positions and passive ETFs, and they reflect many of the themes I'll be discussing here today. So here we are, having turned the page and flipped the calendar to 2024. Rather than do our usual review of the previous month's market events, I wanted to take a step back and look at a few of the big picture things that happened last year and offer up some comments and then move on to our thoughts for 2024. So a few comments on some key observations from 2023. First and foremost, let's talk about some of the things that we've hopefully learned over the course of the last 12 months. Yes, the Fed hyped the cumulative 500 basis points during this tightening cycle, and it was the fastest and most aggressive tightening cycle that I've ever seen. And yet here we are today, equity markets pushing all-time highs, and the U.S. economy posting quarterly annualized growth rates of almost 5%. The key takeaway here, the economy and markets are much less rate sensitive than what most people believe. And an add-on to this takeaway, fiscal policy and supply shocks matter way more. Another lesson learned, markets love to gauge the Fed's hawkishness or dovishness based on the resulting price action after the press conference rather than actually listening to the Fed's messaging. And the resulting price action tends to be heavily influenced by the market's psychology and positioning going into that meeting. Time and time again, we read the Fed's statement and listened to Chair Powell speak at his presser and came away with the exact opposite takeaway from the market reaction. It was like we tuned into the wrong press conference or something. We'd scratch our heads and ask ourselves, what did we miss? Time after time, Powell would come right out and say what they were data-dependent and wanted to maintain flexibility and optionality, and yet bonds would sell off by 20 basis points and equities would drop. But because equities tanked and bonds sold off, the meeting was considered hawkish. But the key takeaway? Price action drives narratives, and price action is a function of sentiment and positioning which sometimes don't jive with the fundamentals. Another lesson learned? We've heard over and over all year about the inverted yield curve in recessions, and we've spent countless hours debunking this indicator. But we were amazed at how many people latched onto that one single indicator to make their bearish call. The market is a mosaic. There are many, many, many inputs to look at that ultimately blend together to make the full narrative. There's no one single magic bullet here, and if it were that easy, then we'd need to start looking for a new job. But the key takeaway here, the yield curve holds a lot less economic information than most give it credit for. The bond market is simply an equilibrium rate that balances the financial economy. The real economy ends up taking its marching orders from this equilibrium rate. And this dovetails nicely into the next takeaway. Markets are really all about risk appetite. Yep, risk appetite. Hence why we tend to frame our thoughts and investment process through a risk appetite lens. But the thing to highlight here, the symbiotic relationship between policy rates and risk appetite is always changing. It's very difficult to handicap and predict as it is a moving target. Followers of our written work know that we often call the market schizophrenic. Always got to be overshooting, always overreacting. And this all can be traced back to sentiment and human behavior. And this ultimately drives risk appetite. Here we are with policy rates north of 5%, and yet the equity markets are making all-time highs. It's all about risk appetite. And lastly, some more things that matter a lot less than most think. Quantitative tapering, Treasury market supply, debt sustainability. The 10-year Treasury yield peaked north of 5% intraday back on October 19th. And here we are with the 10-year closing out 2023 at 3.79%, a full 121 basis points tighter and below the 3.877% level that we started the year with. Did the outlook for supply or the fiscal deficit prospects change between October 19th and the end of the year? Nope. Going into details on these things is for another podcast, but the takeaway here, quantitative tapering treasury supply, debt sustainability, they really only matter in the short-term. At the margin, that's about it. What they really do though, help to drive the short-term narrative when it fits. Longer-term, it's all about fundamentals, growth and inflation expectations. That's what drives long-term yields. So those are some of the high-level takeaways from 2023. Let's call them lessons learned. So we'll shift gears now and talk about the prospects for 2024, and we'll keep this summary plain and simple. The U.S. economy is likely to slow in 2024. As long as growth is not falling precipitously, the bias for equities will be higher regardless of whether policy rates remain at current levels for longer or they get manicured lower over the coming months. The timing for when cuts commence and the number of cuts throughout the cycle matter only at the margin. Start cuts in March or June, really not a huge difference. Cut three times or five times over the course of 2024, it really doesn't make a big difference. Growth isn't tanking, and the Fed is taking its foot off the brake. What does matter the most in terms of what to monitor throughout the year? The labor market. we see a market deterioration in the labor market, then all bets are off. But this is not our base case. Labor markets should soften but remain supportive. There, that's your summary. So let's get into a bit more detail for our 2024 prospects. We prefer to map out our outlook using a range of potential outcomes. And we see four different outcomes that the economy and markets might take this year. These first two are our lowest probability weighted outcomes, a no-landing scenario and a recession. We assign a 15% probability to the no-landing scenario and a 10% probability to a recession. We'd focus less on the actual assigned probability outcomes and more on the relative percentages in this exercise. Now, let's be clear on our definitions here. Our version of a no landing scenario is one where labor markets remain firm, nominal wages reaccelerate, the consumer remains strong, nominal growth remains elevated, and inflation pressures remain sticky. In the recession scenario, We would expect to see a market deterioration in the labor market, which would include negative payroll prints, a broad-based spike in delinquency rates, a retrenching of the consumer that sees consumption drop sharply, credit spreads widening out as default risks move higher, and signs that a deflationary impulse is beginning to accelerate. To reiterate, we consider both the recession scenario and the no-landing scenario to be low-probability events. Our soft-landing scenario, is the outcome that we assign the highest probability for in our outlook, which is effectively our base case scenario that carries a 40% probability-weighted outcome. In this scenario, we see a slowly slowing economy, one where the unemployment rate drifts marginally higher, nominal wages ease, while real wages remain supportive, the consumer remains resilient, and inflation continues on track to hit its 2% target by the end of 2024 or early 2025. Helping to anchor the economy are several tailwinds. Falling rates filter through to lower mortgage rates, and residential construction and the housing market remain firm. Inventory restocking still is yet to normalize in areas of the economy, such as defense, auto, and aircraft production. Further normalization of these sectors helps to support industrial production. Manufacturing construction spending should remain robust as well, a byproduct of some of the initiatives undertaken as part of the Bidenomics plan. CapEx cycles should also be supportive as the nearshoring, friendshoring, and onshoring shifts continue to play out. And in addition, many of the investments made during COVID are beginning to pay dividends, and companies are seeing the benefits of these investments, prompting a virtuous cycle that sees CapEx getting more CapEx. All of this is leading to productivity gains, something that we've already written and spoken at length about. These productivity gains are something that we feel is greatly underappreciated by markets and could very well fuel growth, disinflation, corporate profits, and technological advances that prove highly beneficial well into the coming quarters. And while federal government spending is expected to slow and still should be supportive at the margin. Still, state and local revenues remain above trend and should help fiscal spending in the meantime. Much has been made regarding the idea that the consumer's excess savings have been depleted, a concept that we find nebulous and opaque and, quite frankly, misleading. But evidence points to the fact that consumers are basically spending what they earn, as seen in the level in growth rates of personal income relative to personal outlays. And as inflation continues to trend towards the 2% target, real wages have begun to rise again, which should keep consumption growing at the margin. Plenty of tailwinds continue to persist. Now, there is an outcome along the way to a soft landing scenario that could provide a hiccup, and we call this potential outcome the growth scare, an outcome that gets a slightly lower probability weight than our soft landing scenario. It starts out... Looking and feeling like the soft landing scenario, but begins to deteriorate into what some might believe is the recession scenario. As we mentioned earlier, we certainly expect the U.S. economy to slow. Slowly slowing is how we've been phrasing it. And there is a risk that the market will overextrapolate such a slowing into fears of a recession. You can hear it now. It was only a matter of time. Long and variable lags. See, the yield curve was right all along. You can hear the bears rejoicing. But slowly slowing doesn't need to be extrapolated into a recession. We can simply slow to lower levels of growth. The key thing to keep in mind, starting points matter here. We are slowly slowing from a quarterly annual growth rate of almost 5%. There is plenty of room here for the economy to ease back to trend growth because we're coming from such a strong starting point. Slowing from 5% growth is different than slowing from 2% growth. And because of this, we certainly could see the market overextrapolating any slowing trend right into a recession. Always got to be overshooting. In this scenario, we could see the unemployment rate spike up and headlines will scream about the SOM rule getting triggered. Payrolls would show several months of weak prints. Delinquency rates would begin to rise. A lot of these things we outlined in our description of a recession outcome start to pop up. Hence, the reason it's easy to see a growth slowdown extrapolated into a recession. But the key here is paying attention to the data. And we would suspect that rates would ease meaningfully under this scenario, along with the Fed ramping up their surgical cuts, and enough so to put a floor under growth. So, slowing from a high rate of growth and leveling off at something close to trend growth. Worst case scenario, a very mild recession. And under this scenario, equities would certainly react accordingly with a typical correction, but we would view this head fake as a fantastic setup for risk assets into the end of the year. As we mentioned at the onset of our scenario outcomes, we remain optimistic that risk assets will have another strong year in 2024. We expect equities to post decent returns, rates to head lower, and credit spreads to tighten as the economy slowly slows into the soft landing outcome and monetary policy continues to normalize. Simply put, we don't expect growth to drop precipitously. So how might we position for these outcomes? Well, first of all, for two scenarios with the highest weighted probabilities, soft landing and growth scare, both end up being growth positive. So we still want to own risk assets. Overweight equities relative to fixed with a preference for US large caps. The growth outlook for the US economy is still strong relative to the rest of the world. We mentioned a list of tailwinds supporting this view earlier. And as mentioned, that starting point for a growth slowdown matters a lot here. The growth backdrop for Europe remains a bit more challenging. There is still a risk that the ECB retains a hawkish bias longer than they need to, increasing the risk for policy mistake and a recession, hence a preference for the US relative to Europe. We also see little scope for a credit event in our two base case scenarios. So we view credit as an attractive opportunity as well, both investment grade and high yield. We see scope for market breadth to expand, but the catalyst for that involves greater confidence that a recession can be avoided, and that will remain data-dependent. Once the market is comfortable that a recession likely won't happen, we would expect to see the potential for rotation out of U.S. large caps and into SMID and cyclical value. And once that confidence spreads to the economies outside of the U.S., you would expect to see international and EM equities start to gain traction. Again, this later rotation is a product of confidence in the global economy, avoiding a recession and starting to reaccelerate. Our one surprise for 2024, inflation slows a lot faster than most expect. Yep, we hit the 2% target much faster than most folks anticipate. Why? China continues to export deflation. Europe slows into a modest recession supply chains fully normalize, and shelter costs finally begin to manifest in earnest in the core inflation data. And there you have it, lessons learned from 2023 and our outlook for 2024. To wrap up our podcast, The Tactical Take, this is Jack Janosiewicz. Hope you enjoyed the commentary and thanks for listening.
1: Important information for listeners outside the United States. Natixis Investment Managers distribution and service groups include Natixis Investment Managers S.A. Luxembourg, Natixis Investment Managers International, France, and their affiliated distribution and service entities. These entities conduct any regulated activities only in and from the jurisdictions in which they are licensed or authorized. Their services and the products they manage are not available to all investors in all jurisdictions. For additional information and important podcasts disclosures for listeners outside the U.S., please consult imnetixis.com slash intl slash podcasts and other media. Further, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker and not necessarily those of Natixis Investment Managers. These views were provided as of the date of recording and will not be revised. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute investment advice or an offer to buy or sell a financial product from any Natixis Investment Managers entity there can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted. Actual results may vary. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Investment risk exists with equity, fixed income, and alternative investments. There is no assurance that any investment will meet its performance objectives or that losses will be avoided. There can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted. Actual results may vary. Performance data discussed represents past performance and is no guarantee of, and not necessarily indicative of, future results. Indexes are not investments. Do not incur fees and expenses and are not professionally managed. It is not possible to invest directly in an index. CAPEX. Capital expenditure. Money invested by a company to acquire or upgrade assets such as buildings, property, equipment, etc. Smid, Small mid-cap stocks. Emerging markets. EM. Emerging markets refers to financial markets of developing countries that are usually small and have short operating histories. Emerging market securities may be subject to greater political, economic, environmental, credit and information risks than U.S. or other this document may contain references to copyrights, indexes and trademarks that may not be registered in all jurisdictions. Third-party registrations are the property of their respective owners and are not affiliated with Natixis investment managers or any of its related or affiliated companies. Collectively Natixis, such third-party owners do not sponsor, endorse or participate in the provision of any Natixis services, funds or other financial products. Provided by Natixis Distribution, LLC, 888 Boylston Street, Boston, MA02199. Natixis Investment Managers includes all of the investment management and distribution entities affiliated with Natixis Distribution, LLC and Natixis Investment Managers S.A. Natixis Distribution, LLC is a limited-purpose broker-dealer and the distributor of various registered investment companies for which advisory services are provided by affiliates of Natixis Investment Managers. Natixis Advisors, LLC provides advisory services through its division Natixis Investment Manager Solutions. Advisory services are generally provided with the assistance of model portfolio providers, some of which are affiliates of Natixis Investment Managers, LLC. Natixis Advisors, LLC does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax or legal professional prior to making any investment decision. Member SIPC, POD 37 January, 2024, ADTRAX. 6192341, 6192341, expiration date January 31, 2025.